right. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, kids, you're dismissed to class. Guys, if you haven't picked up a Exodus binder, go ahead and do that right now. Um, you're not going to offend me if you get up and walk right over there. There's some on the um, book nook. It's turned into a binder nook. You're going to want to have that. Um, Dylan's doing a book signing after church today, so stick around for that. While, while they're doing that, I, I, I did this last week as we kind of laid out the, the, the kind of the foreground for this. A lot of people spent a lot of time doing a lot of work to make this available. So I, I pray that you will use it. Uh, don't take it home and take the pages out and like put your calendar in there, please. Don't do that. Or if you do it, don't let me ever find out that you've done that. Um, our prayer is that this would be a resource uh, for you uh, to use over the next uh, 11, 12, 13, 14 months as we begin our verse-by-verse study of Exodus. Was that a little awkward for everybody, just to have people like walking through? I, I liked it. Don't walk out, but just you're free to roam if you need to. Uh, in this binder, you'll find there's a section um, for sermon notes. Now, if you're looking for fill-in-the-blanks, We've let you down. There are no fill in the blanks. It's just white space for you to take notes. And our, really our prayer is that this guide, you will use it in your family groups as we study the text the week prior to us preaching the text. So this past week you will have studied the text that we're preaching today. This coming week you'll study the text that we're going to preach next Sunday. There's also a family discipleship guide, which is really designed for you to use in your home uh, to disciple uh, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your teammates, your housemates, whoever you happen to be around you when you have this. It's just some prompting questions that are passage specific. So I want to make sure you have one um, and, and you're able to use that. And so we, we do have some uh, white space for you. But you can see there is a schedule. This is half of Exodus, okay? So this is just the first part, and let me tell you how we got to where we got. We were in a meeting, the preaching team, and we were outlining Exodus, and um, it was a long meeting, and we went to we couldn't go, and we said, that's part one, okay? So part one is going to take us from Exodus chapter one through chapter 15, and then we'll pick up in chapter 16 and go through the end. That's part two, okay? So that was a really spiritual prayerful way uh, for us to divide the book up into two really bite-sized chunks. And so, um, anyway, so why Exodus? You guys are spending all this time together and you're devoting all your time to you're casting the vision and trajectory of what we'll, we're teaching the church. Why Exodus? And that's where I want to start today. We've delayed Exodus. If you haven't been around, there's been some stuff going on in our church. And so, uh, least of which was Easter, which was awesome, by the way. Uh, if you weren't here, um, I hope that you were able to worship well. We, we had baptisms last week. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've had a bunch of new members lately. I mean, things, God has been uh, doing a mighty work in our church, and Easter really is just the climax. And so uh, if, if you weren't here, we missed you, and uh, hope that wherever you were, you were able to do that. But why Exodus? Uh, I think most churches will go, you can go your entire life and never really get a verse-by-verse study of an Old Testament book. Okay, If you're going to do an Old Testament book, you might go through Jonah or uh, maybe one of the other minor prophets that are a little bit smaller. Exodus is big. There's a lot going on. There's going to be some Sundays where we come in and we're, we're going through 30 verses. Okay, So we're going to warn you. You'll be warned because you got the book. right? You're going to know exactly where we are. 
Um, but that's our covenant. That's what we're going to promise to do uh, over the next uh, number of months as we, as we do this, is to go verse by verse. But here's the best reason for why we're studying Exodus, okay? This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, all Scripture, that includes Exodus, all of it, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable, okay? That means it is good. It's profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be, what does it say? Complete. Okay, so we're in search for wholeness. Okay, like completeness. That's what we're doing here. All right? Equipped for every good work. That is ultimately why we do what we do here at the branch. Okay, we believe that all of Scripture, everything that is in here front to back, is breathed out by God, and it is good for those things that Scripture says it is good for. Not because we're trusting something that we've never seen. We've seen it be good. We've seen it be profitable. We've seen it be good for reproof and rebuke and correction and righteousness. And so we go to Exodus. Before I lay out kind of our introduction, by the way, this is the longest sermon introduction of all time. You're welcome. Still short sermon, though. You're welcome. Okay? Uh, long introduction, short sermon. Uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you don't have it, this will be on the screen. We'll spend the rest of our time in Exodus because we're studying Exodus. Today's the day, okay? So, but I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And as you're going, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Listen to what it says here. It says, For I, this is Paul, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that's a capital R rock that followed them and the rock was what? Christ Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, we're going to keep going for just a minute because this is important, and this gives us why we're doing what we're doing. Verse 6, now these things took place as examples for us, okay? These things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil. Now, listen to the rhythm that Paul's writing. He's writing to us, but he's also writing to the church in Corinth. Listen to this rhythm. We might not desire evil as they did. Verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. And we're destroyed by serpents. Serpent's going to be a big uh, character here in Exodus, already has been in Genesis. Verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did. And we're destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our what? Our instruction. On whom the end of the age has come. Verse 12, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Let's read that part again, okay? 
God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, so will you be tempted? Yes, you will. If you don't believe it, just come back next week. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to Endure it. That way for escape is what we did uh, last week as life escaped the grips of death. That's what we call Easter's resurrection of our Savior. If you're new to the church, uh, basically what we believe is that a Savior has come to redeem God's people. We call that Savior Jesus. He's the second person in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons. Let's do it together. One God, three persons. Okay? Christ is the Son of God, fully God, fully man. He came to die. He lived a perfect life. He died so that we might be brought back to God in right relationship, okay? So there you go. That's what we believe here. If you knew you've never been to church, or maybe this is your first time, that's us, okay? We're the branch. Nice to meet you, all right? So let's go back to Exodus chapter 1, all right? Exodus is the second book in the Bible. If, you're, if you uh, picked up a Bible for the first time or you don't really know your Bible well, this is an easy one to find, okay? Just go to the beginning and go until Genesis turns to Exodus. Then you found it, okay? So, the story of Exodus is ultimately the story of us. It's a story of me and it's a story of you. It's a story about God drawing his people out, out of bondage, out of slavery, out of oppression, and drawing them into himself, into right relationship, into the grace that only he can provide. Okay? So here's where this gets a little bit challenging as the guy who's supposed to kick off the uh, sermon series on Exodus. We did an eight-week primer on Exodus. Do you remember this? This is what we did uh, like six weeks ago. Okay, we finished that up. So we, we took a little bit of break, and uh, partly because we had some things right going, and we needed to take a break. And it was a good break. But remember Genesis. Okay, if you don't remember Genesis, read it this week. Okay, it will help. Exodus is Genesis part two. It is one book woven through five books. Okay, so that's what we're going to do now. So why Exodus? These four things come from a commentary that we've made available to a lot of our family group leaders, but I want you to see it because this is right and we need to hear it. Okay, so this is not, these are not my words. Don't say I plagiarized, I told you. All right, four things. We need to know God better. Seems pretty simple, right? We need to know God better. No matter what stage of life you're in and no matter what stage of life you're going to, that will always be true. That will always be true. We need to know God better. The second thing, we need to understand God's plan for redemption. The book of Exodus is God's plan for redeeming his people. Okay? We need to understand God's plan for redemption. The third thing, we need to understand God's mission better. We need to understand what is God doing in the world and how do we participate in it. What was he doing in their world, and how did God's people participate in it? What is he doing in our world, and how can we participate in it? That is what we've been called to, okay? The fourth thing, we need to draw lessons for living out our faith on a daily basis. How many of you have read Exodus? I'm, I don't mean this as judgment. I'm just super curious. Read it, start to finish. How many of you have read it? How many of you did it last year in the chronological reading plan? Okay, how many of you quit in Leviticus? I'm just joking, all right? I mean, I'm not, but I mean, I am, all right? It's my passive-aggressive way of joking at you, all right? But here's the, here's the deal. We meet the living God in Exodus, okay? 
Exodus is where God gets a name. All right, Yahweh, I am, we'll get there, right? Moses says, well, what, 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 what do I call you? You're saying all this stuff, what do I call you? Who, they're not going to believe me. This thing told me this thing, and now I'm telling you this thing. Who are you? And God says, I am. You tell him I am has sent you. All right, and that's kind of a complicated thing. Uh, Braden was sitting in my truck one day. We were driving, and I was kind of listening to a podcast on the name of God and, um, by the B- Bible Project, which if you've never checked out their stuff, it's pretty decent. Um, and he's like, I don't get it. I'm like, me either. I am. What kind of name is that, right? It's Yahweh. It's the sacred, holy name. Exodus, though, is the second part of five, okay, that we know as the Pentateuch. You want to say it? Pentateuch, Okay. Now you've just learned a little bit of Hebrew, all right? It's a, Pentateuch basically just means five volumes. It's five volumes, all right? So we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They are one book known as the book of Moses, okay? Moses is the primary author from Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's also known as the Torah. Have you heard the word Torah before? Torah is defined as law. Okay, or instruction. So these five books were meant to give God's people instruction on how to live in righteousness. Okay? So there's a lot of law. There's also some grace. So here's what we have to do okay, as 2022 Christians. We cannot read Exodus properly until we have understood it Christologically. You tracking me? We cannot understand Exodus properly until we've read it Christologically. And here's what I mean. We're not done here until we see the work of Jesus. Okay? So when we read through what we're going to be in today, chapter 1, verse 1, we can't fully understand the life of Joseph, his death, and what he did for the legacy of God's people until we understand that Christ is going to come as a better Joseph to finalize everything that Joseph started. Okay? Same is true for Abraham, same is true for Isaac, same is true for Jacob, who becomes Israel. Okay? The people get so big that they can't call them Jacob's people anymore. Now we're just going to, God gives them the name Israel. Right? They have a little battle, a little tussle. Hip goes out. Ever had your hip go out? We don't have that many older people. Eventually we're going to have people be, yeah, my hip's out now. Okay? All right? I've, I've coached uh, Braden's old baseball team. We tell them all the time, this is not in my notes, but this is a freebie, um, hit the ball up the middle. Hit the ball up the middle. Let's coach pitch. Guess who's in the middle? Me. Yesterday, I got zinged so hard. I thought my hip was going to go out, right? That would have been the perfect illustration, just standing up here limping my way through. I took it right off the elbow, which doesn't feel good either. All right? So why Exodus? Exodus purely means a going out or a departure. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, okay, says is the word exodos. That's how we get the word Exodus, okay? The Jewish people would have called this the book of names, okay? Because Exodus 1 picks up right where Genesis 50 leaves off with names, okay? And that's where we're going to start here. But we can understand Exodus in two parts. These are not the two parts that the sermon preaching team came up with. These are just two parts, right? Chapters 1 through 18, they provide the story of God's deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt, okay? Part two, which is chapters 19 through 40, show us the glory of God at Mount Sinai. All right, so we have God delivers and God's glorified. God delivers, God's glorified. Okay, now let's put our story in there. God delivers, no matter what you're coming in here with, for his glory. See, the story of Exodus is the story of us. All right, so let's do it. You ready? Exodus chapter one, 
That wasn't a terribly long sermon introduction. It's not normal. I mean, we're doing all right. You good? Okay. I'm excited to be in Exodus. I hope you are too. Exodus 1, verse 1. These are the names. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, who's now known as Israel, okay? Each with his household. Now we get a list of names. We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. We have Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were how many people? Seventy all the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation, period. So they're all dead. Okay? Verse 7. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Okay? We can't go back and redo all of Genesis, but here's what you need to know. God made a promise to Abraham. The promise to Abraham was you will be, and you will have an heir from your house, right? This is Genesis chapter 15, where God says that you are going to have descendants. And he tells, he tells Abraham to go outside your little tent. I want you to look up at the stars. Abraham's older at this point, right? He's 74, 75 years old which is old for having kids. Can we just put that out on the table? Uh, biologically, I think it's pretty old to have kids. I think um, just human nature, like spirit, is pretty old for having kids, okay? Because he also has an old wife. There are things about old women that keep them from being, are we, you understand what I'm saying here, okay? So for them to have a baby, God has to do something, okay? So God gives them this promise. He says, look out, and the number of the stars, that's gonna be your descendants, and then a year goes by, there's no baby. And another year goes by, and there's no baby, and there's no heir, there's no heir, there's no heir, there's no heir, there's no heir. 25 years. Can you imagine? God made a promise, but it wasn't today. God made a promise. Oh, it wasn't today. God made a promise. It wasn't this week, it wasn't this month, it wasn't this year, it wasn't this decade. It's two and a half decades to come. God was still working. He was still using Abraham and his wife, Sarah, to begin his mission in the world. This whole idea of these are the names is a fulfillment of the promise from Genesis chapter 46, which says, don't be scared to go down to Egypt. Right? Well, who's going down to Egypt? The people who are coming from Abraham, who's 100 years old when he has his heir. Isaac is born, and then what happens with Isaac? He's finally there, right? When Braden was born, he was our first. I remember sitting in the hospital, one, and you're like, oh my goodness, who's going to let me take this thing home? We were young. We, we, I mean, we had a house, but we heard gunshots a lot because we lived in urban Texas, like Dallas, and we're just like, it's either somebody scored a soccer goal or something went sideways, right? But here's this baby, and we're supposed to take him home and try to keep him from dying, Right Now they're a hundred years old in trying to do that. I still have a little bit of life in me. I've got some energy. 
okay? 60 years from now, I just want to give them candy and be like, go watch a show, right? There's, a, there's a something going on that only God can do, and Exodus is capturing that when it says, these are the names. What does that mean? God is doing what he said he was going to do, and these are the names. It's a fulfillment of the promise. When we talk about going, who came to Egypt, so we write verse 1, these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Genesis 46 says, this is, this is the fulfillment of the promises, don't be scared to go down to Egypt. Because why? It's in Egypt where I'm going to make you great. So as Israel, were they great coming into Egypt? Not yet. They had some waiting to do, didn't they? Just like Abraham had some waiting to do. 400 years is what the Bible tells us. 400 years, can you imagine? Like 25 years seems like a long time. 400 minutes seems like a really long time. 400 seconds seems like a long time. I don't want to wait four minutes for like something to come out of the microwave. Okay? 400 years. And here's the way this works. Okay? I'm telling my kids, God's made a promise. They're telling their kids, God's made a promise. They're telling their kids, 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 kids. For 400, like 400 of those, right? God's made a promise, and we believe he's keeping his promise. This was the story of Genesis, right? This is where the thumb thing came out, right? So if you're new and you haven't caught up on that, I'm not going to go back, but we do this in my house. When we are talking about God keeping his promises, for some reason, this is how we remind ourselves that God's keeping his promises, even though it seems like he may not be. Plant a church is what we thought God was calling us to do. So we did. Yes, Lord. Leave. Okay. But for what? We waited five years. That seems like eternity. Let alone 400. God will do what he says he's going to do. Verse 1 also gives us the fulfillment of the prediction of the suffering of God's people. So it's not just any 400 years. It's 400 tough years. It's 400 years of slavery, back-breaking work, outside, day after day. We hear stories of them making bricks, and they were doing so well at making bricks that Pharaoh makes it harder for them to make bricks because it's supposed to be hard. So it's 400 years of intense, can we call it torture? It's brutal. It's a different kind of 400 years than sitting on a mountaintop, drinking coffee, doing the thing. It's 400 years of hard labor. Genesis 15 says, Know for certain that your offspring, this is to Abraham, God to Abraham, your offspring will be sojourners. That's not what Abraham wanted to hear. Oh, so you promised me an heir, but my heir's going to be on the run? They will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. Wait a minute. I thought you promised land, seed, and blessing. That doesn't sound right either. And there'll be servants there. Huh! Sweet! I love your plan, God. And they will be... It gets, it gets better. Okay, keep reading. They will be afflicted for 400 years. And then, like so many times in Scripture, there's this little three-letter word that I really love. It says, but. One T. B-U-T. But. 
I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. That's what we're going to get to see here in just the next few weeks. I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterwards, after all of that, they shall come out with great possessions. That's from Genesis. And this is the story of God doing what he said he was going to do. The sons that are listed are listed in, a, in order, okay, based on the rank of the mothers. This is from Genesis 35. Right? So why do we keep going back to Genesis in order to get into Exodus? Because the Bible matters. What God said matters. And we're going to keep doing this through Exodus. We're going to keep going back because it's all we can do. But we have the benefit of also going forward. We get to see the fulfillment of what God is doing through Jesus son. Verses 5 and 6, all the descendants of Jacob were how many people? What's the number? 70. Does that sound like a mighty nation? Not in the face of Egypt. Egypt was the superpower of the day. Egypt is the nation that the entire known world feared. They were brutal. They were fast. They were violent. They were willing to do whatever they could to grow who they were. This is the Egypt that God's people are being called to. And this mighty nation steps on the land with 70 people. 70. And Joseph's already there. 70. Then Joseph died. And all his brothers and all that generation. Verse 7, here's that word again. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. That was the problem that Pharaoh had. The people of Israel were a problem. They were not just big in number, but they were strong. Because God was doing something in the midst. In the midst of the slavery, in the midst of the torturing, And what we'll learn throughout Exodus is that the 12, the 12 sons of Jacob go into Egypt to 70. Guess how many they leave with? The Bible says there's 600,000 men. Okay? So let's do some mathematics. Anybody good at mathematics? So if every one of them is married, okay, that's 1.2 million. Now let's just assume for a second that at least they have one child. That's 1.8. Now, there was a covenant, there was a mandate that you don't just have one kid, right? Because God has said, land, seed, and blessing, be fruitful and multiply. So the reality is, these families had a lot more than one kid. So let's give them two kids. Where are we at now? 2.4? Okay. That's conservative. 12, 70. Two and a half million. Is God keeping his promise to Abraham? Is he keeping his promise to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph, to Moses, to me, to you? It takes time. God always does what he says he's going to do. There's a couple things as we finish out this morning that I think we've got to be, we can't forget these, okay? And some of this is written down in your, in your book. I, please spend time, at least this week, you don't have to do it again, just this week, 
read through. The, some of the guys put together a, an overview of Genesis that I think will be really helpful. There's an introduction where we really dive into deeply some of this introduction to Exodus, and then we kind of get into this normal rhythm of a family group, family discipleship. But there's a few things that we have to know. The Exodus, the events are real, okay? They're real. It happened in a real place during a real time period to real, actual people, okay? This isn't a myth. This isn't a story that was just told in folklore. This is a real historical book. It's connected to us, and it's a story of redemption. The second thing is the events of Exodus are a word picture. They're an example that point us to the gospel. The book of Moses is the gospel according to Exodus. That's the name of the book. It's not, what, it's not actually what the name of the book is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Exodus is the gospel that God saves sinners. Moses was inadequate. God used him. And guess what? He put some people around Moses to help him do the things that he wasn't comfortable doing. Looks a lot like the church, doesn't it? Not all of us have to play the guitar or preach or lead a family group, although I pray that you might consider doing that. But God uses all of us for his purposes in the world. God's got a plan. He does. You may not be certain of his plan yet, but he has a plan for your life. He is working a plan. It may not be according to your timetable. You may have to wait. Guess what happens in our waiting? Our faith becomes iron. Okay? You become solid. People come around you to encourage you in your waiting. We have a lot of college students in our church, right? It's kind of like the, the culture says you graduate from college, you get a job, and then you what? You get married, right? That's what, that's what our culture tells you. What happens if that's not true for you? Is God no longer good? That seems like harsh talk. I don't mean that as harsh talk. That's an example. I have examples in my own life that are hard just like that. Go and wait. Go and wait. God's got a plan. He is working his plan in his good time. And so together we worship and we wait. We have to learn to read our Bibles honestly. Because what happens to God's people, they go into Egypt to suffer great loss and trouble. Those are the, that's what they get through God's promise. Now Jesus has come, and what does he say? In this world you will have trouble, but have no Fear, for I have overcome the world. Exodus is a story of us. God drawing us out of our Egypts, and trust me, we all have Egypts. We all also have Pharaohs in our life. Okay, and I, I don't mean that to be like VBS stuff, right? That, this is real. If Egypt is sin and sin's grip on our life, we all have that. And God has a promised land, and he is sending us forth through water, through dust, through dirt, through loss, through suffering, through trouble. Fear not, for I have overcome.
overcome the world. This is why we take communion every single week. To be, remem- to be reminded that God is doing what he said he was going to do. He did it through Jesus and he's doing it now. After the resurrection, God didn't disappear. The ascension isn't God's removal and absence from planet Earth. It isn't his absence from your life or from my life. In fact, it's at that point in Scripture where the Bible says that we are indwelt by the Spirit. And the Spirit gives us power. That's Acts 1-8. That's where we were three or four weeks ago. So as we go to the table today, I pray that you will remember that God has a plan. God is working the plan. And he will do it. He will do it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the passage we read uh, each week as we go to the table uh, to partake of the Lord's Supper. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Listen to this words. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread, or eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, and come again he will. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a time to worship, to sing praises. Your glory deserves all of our praise. And so as we end our time as a gathered body, I pray that you will help us to dwell at the table. A seat that was given to us by your Son and our Lord. I pray for everyone in the room as we begin a verse-by-verse study of your book of Exodus. You would help us just to see you in a more beautiful, more profound, more powerful way. That we would see clearly what you've promised to do. And that you've promised to keep your promise. So through land, seed, blessing, from Sinai to the Red Sea, through the plagues and the giving of the Ten Commandments. I pray that the next number of months will be fruitful for our congregation. I pray that our family groups would have robust conversation around how, what discipleship looks like because of a going out, because of an exodus. So Lord, I pray today as we enter a time of communion that we would remember well the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. Thank you for these people, brothers and sisters. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There will be some uh, elders, deacons, leaders standing over here uh, near the coffee. Uh, While we take communion, if you want to pray, there will be people over here who want to pray with you. So come find someone. Uh, We love you.